Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, your body language speaks embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, the only reason you can say that is because you're looking at me during. Yeah. We are, uh, we're in my podcast studio now. Yeah, not just looking at you during, but also looking at you while we're both standing. Because yeah. for some reason... The chair setup in your house could, could not accommodate two people sitting down. So many things about my home <laughs> is not made for accommodating guests. <laughs> for instance, uh, the ceiling in my basement, very low. Yeah. I've, uh, if I had a spiky hairdo, I would be scraping the ceiling in your basement. If you were the type of man that wore like those vanity height boots that just added the extra inch. With the goldfish living in the soles? Yeah, I think you'd be in big trouble. Mm, yeah, this is uh, we are meeting up in the midst of the Max Fun Drive, and by the time people hear this, it will be over. But I'm already really excited by how people are coming out. Maybe I should. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that. You remember how much fun of Trump we made during the election, and how <laughs> and how bad of a look that is uh, in retrospect. Like I, I love the idea of us. Like, I don't regret ever making fun of Trump. By the way, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not the regret at all. But like how uh, how we didn't take that seriously whatsoever. Yeah. I love the idea of us like assuming success during the, the <laughs> Max Fun Drive. Uh, Thank you for helping us meet all of the goals that Every we had for the show. Every single goal we came up with, you <laughs> we just guys smashed out through. Of <laughs> smashed through every goal. I'm I'm breathless with how grateful I am uh, to everyone who helped us do that. Ben, do you have any any other uh, Things you'd like to review about my home now that you have me on the spot here, you could you could say anything. Uh, well, I've met your dog finally, and right. Sprocket is I can confirm I <laughs> I can now confirm Sprocket with ninety nine percent of precincts reporting <laughs> is a very good boy. <laughs> wow, that is that's an official review. Yeah, that's not that Rasmussen polling. No, 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 no. This is a very high quality. Uh, Quinnipiac right. level pole. That's the one you want right there. <laughs> ben, one of the things that I have been able to do uh, as we do the show remotely is is be the one to check our mail. I'm the one who is proximate to our mailbox. Right. And, and so I'm the one a, that gets to open it. This is also a fact that your wife has never let me live down. Yeah. <laughs> she, she takes it as a personal offense that that wound up being a job that you took on. Uh, and I am very excited to be able to share that task with you here today. We have uh, yeah. a couple of packages from the box that I've retrieved, and I want to give you the honor of opening them. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain size only. I'm looking at this first one. It looks like it came in from the address of of Maximum Fun headquarters. And occasionally people will send something to Max Fun HQ and then they will, out of the kindness of their hearts, forward it on to us. Like, 
they've never sent us a bill for shipping on this stuff so when we talk about the overhead uh that the network has a part of it is sending us mail that (laughs) has been sent to them yeah all right so i'm opening this uh this is a big manila envelope okay we've got a comic book and a letter this letter is from eric it says dear adam and ben it was great meeting you at the san francisco Sketchfest show a few months back I was the guy who showed you a copy of that Star Trek Deviations comic and asked you to sign mine. You both did after confirming that I was okay with utterly destroying its value. While I don't regret the decision, I came to realize there really wasn't anything better to do with this new issue other than read it and then let you both have it. So here you go. (laughs) Mm. Enjoy the comic. Keep up the good work. (laughs) So he sent us a a comic book that we both signed that is not by either of us. How weird is it to see this come back? Yeah, this is a comic called Star Trek Deviations, and it seems to take place in a world where Romulans took over the Federation at least a generation before our familiar Next Generation heroes were born. Uh, On the cover, you might be tickled to note that uh, Riker has an eye patch and he's riding a horse. Cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that SF Sketchfest show was great for us, and uh, this is... As much up to Sketchfest as it is to us, but that's something I'd like to just make a tradition of, if possible. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love devaluing people's things yeah. whenever possible, so <laughs> yeah. happy to do it. Okay, we have a second uh, package here, and it is from Yokohama, Japan, from listener Mike. Wow. We have a number of, of listeners in Japan. Oh, cool! <laughs> it's a bag full of Japanese candy! Whoa! A little, uh, little piece of paper and a tiny envelope in here. Dear Ben and Adam, I thought you might enjoy these Japanese snacks and hope they entice you to come over to Tokyo for a Greatest Gen Tour. Hell yeah. Thanks for all the hilarious episodes they helped with the long, crushing commutes in and out of the city. Thanks again, Mike. Ben, I want to propose something here sure. uh, right on the mic, and uh, and that is, do you want to do a little impromptu segment of Snacker Whack? <laughs> I, I am familiar with Crunky because uh, I directed a video series for Max Fun a few years ago called Brian and Lindsay Will Totally Eat That. And, it, and they ate Crunky? They ate Crunky, and I'd much rather call it crummy or yummy because I have a personal connection to that. Okay, that's fair. So uh, this is a uh, Ben and Adam Will Totally Eat That. Yeah. I don't think that this looks like a green tea or a, maybe a uh, matcha-flavored crunky, which is not the flavor that we tried on that show. It's like the size of like a peanut butter M&M. It tastes like uh, a chocolate-covered green tea Kit Kat. Sure, yeah. But I guess a green tea Kit Kat would be covered in, in sort of a green chocolate. If the stuff in Nestle Crunch was all together and not separated by chocolate like yeah. if, you, if you if you had that stuff and somehow surrounded it with chocolate instead of infused it with chocolate crunky's good i apologize to any listeners that have that thing that makes them completely flip out when they hear people chewing things on microphones yeah, i don't like that i i've become what i hate the most <laughs> <laughs> you've become what you set out to destroy yeah should we try this galbo? Yeah, let's let's rip it into the galbo. The galbo, yeah, it looks like a strawberry confection with the chocolate on the inside. Oh man, that's a lot like you, Ben. <laughs> chocolate on the inside. Oh, damn! I really fucks with this galbo. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say yummy. I would say, if a whopper is not your favorite candy, you might not like this. This tastes very malted. Yeah, but um, I do love a strawberry candy. 
There's a thing about Japanese characters that always looks like it's yelling. <laughs> the candies that Mike has sent us uh, all seem very aggressive. Adam, you got uh, four things to pick from. There's one that kind of... Uh... There's like an Asian snack mix that I see sometimes at Japanese grocery stores that has little uh, little slivers. Oh, like, like the rice, rice crackers. Rice cracker slivers, yeah. Uh, and I really it, love the, these it, kind of snack mixes. It's those just mixed with peanuts. Uh, and then we've got almond chocolate, which looks like just uh, almonds dipped in chocolate. And we have two kind of, uh, I want to say like, oh, they're haichu, so... We have haichu here, but these maybe are flavors that we wouldn't necessarily have. It looks maybe like Concord grape and orange flavor haichu. Really? Yeah. You know what's messed up is the thing that's got me most interested is the grape haichu. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to be like that scene in in, uh, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure where yeah. we're standing there smiling at each other <laughs> while black liquid pours out of our mouths? One of the great scenes. Haichu does... Does special flavors in uh, in different parts of the world. Uh, most notably, they make a pineapple version of Haichu only available in Hawaii. Wow. Well, this is a very distinctly Concord grape tasting candy. But it's not it's not cloying. It's the not way a, a lot of like a grape Jolly Rancher would. It be. tastes like an actual Concord grape. Mm-hmm. This thing is doing weird things to my mouth because uh, I got two fillings this morning, and my mouth <laughs> is still not unnumb from that experience. I totally forgot about that. Why did you pick the haichu of all things? It's really, it's really messing up my my oral sensations. Your dentist is gonna be pissed. Okay. I like it. Do you like it? All of this stuff is yummy. Thank you so much for sending that in, Mike. Big fan, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm and, glad uh, that everything you sent was non-perishable. I hope to see you and uh, the rest of our friends of DeSoto of Japan uh, on a future tour date. I think that would be something that uh, we both very truly want to do. I would love to learn the Japanese translation of Friends of DeSoto. We'll go over there and get uh, get tattoos of the symbol for shame. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, now that uh, my, my mechanism is clear and I'm ready to talk on yeah. mic again, <laughs> why don't we uh, pivot to show, Ben, and talking about Season 2, Episode 9, Second, Sight. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. It's, uh, it's sort of a holiday episode, Ben. Because uh, people are observing the fourth anniversary of the Battle of Wolf 359. Or specifically, almost nobody is. What I was thinking during this scene was that, uh, is this the same day that the Enterprise is celebrating Captain Picard Day? <laughs> like, Picard's doing everything he can to just sort of wallpaper over the date. Like, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's for the children. Maybe if I just made this about all the good things I do, <laughs> no one will notice what day it is. I'm a role model. <laughs> Modern culture celebrates tragedy in such a specific way, and as depicted on DS9... This is only noted in a personal fashion. Like, when Cisco walks around the promenade later, there's no, like, flag at half-mast or ex- or whatever variation of that. Yeah, you that- would think that the other federations at least would have some feelings to process. Like, a, a, a sale at, at the stores at the promenade? Like, <laughs> never forget our 30% off sale. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, there there could be like, I mean, you could you could even have like an episode about that because I think there's like a weird thing with something like nine eleven where like everybody's story feels pretty personal and yeah. like there's a weird hierarchy of of story because if you lost somebody that is personally known to you it means something different than if you were like in dc which means yeah. something different than if you were like across the country yeah and experiencing it and you get in conversations where you just have to like shut the hell up because 9-11 is much more a thing that somebody else deals yeah. with than something that you deal with i wonder if they would have tackled this in a different way had the show come out after 2001 right because it's something that i would be interested in seeing in yeah. how a culture views itself post tragedy and by all accounts this was the worst thing to ever happen to the federation yeah a a ton of people die in yeah. that attack and it's a, it just seems like a very quiet and small personal thing that cisco and jake deal with like they yeah they have a little chat where jake gets up and tells Cisco about a really scary sounding dream that he had and it's it's very touching and it made me think that there's some interesting character development we could see with Jake around the idea of separation anxiety because that's kind of the topic of the dream like what yeah. is what does Jake go through when Cisco is like through the wormhole like he's literally like 70,000 light years away sometimes and that's got to be a kind of a head trip for a character like that. Cisco is so poised that he is a great audience for Jake in this scene, but it doesn't seem like they're they're sharing a grief currency yeah. here in a way that um that like I wanted to feel more out of them for this moment. In the same way that anyone describing their dream can be kind of a turnoff. Like, <laughs> like I, there's no way I can process the heightened emotion of you in your dream state. Right. All I can do is just sort of listen. Right. I do my best to empathize with what that must have felt like in, in the moment. And that's a thing that I think Cisco as a character, he is so poised so often. Right. And when, when he allows himself to be not poised, he, he becomes a caricature in a way that we've made fun of before, which is too bad. Right. Well, there's no flag at half-mast on the station, but one flag I did notice when he takes his late-night walk on the promenade is uh, one of those flags like you see outside of like a Metro PCS in a strip mall that says, like, you know... <laughs> unlimited data $40 a month or yeah. whatever I'd never seen this but there was like there was one of those type of flags like on the promenade in the background and uh, I just I just like that like the one of the worst ways that capitalism is is depicted in our time continues into a capitalist place in the 24th century look they did at least outlaw the the idea of the guy flipping a sign around while <laughs> listening to a walkman on the sidewalk like you will not find that guy on deep space nine yeah the do you think cork uh, got censured by station security for having an inflatable flailing arm man outside <laughs> the bar <laughs> you get one of those on the on the ground floor of the promenade that thing could uh touch the ceiling yeah in there yeah <laughs> Very frightening. Morn did not like it one bit. On this walk, Cisco uh, Cisco walks around while the single brass instrument of a widower's walk plays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and it's not long before he is uh, he encounters a lovely lady in kind of a red onesie with a sheer cape. I don't think I've seen the stars shine so brightly. Um, one thing I noticed about this lady is that her voice sounded super present, like, yeah. like it was looped. Yeah. And I uh, I wondered if you thought that was a creative choice, like because of the nature of what we find out she is. Uh, Fena is played by Sally Elise Richardson, and she is a voice actor. And so oh, wow. one of the things that it made me think was that as a voice actor, is your preference to loop your dialogue? And if she huh. had any choice in the matter. Yeah. She does that thing that we've noticed before in movies and television where when you speak quietly... Often that is a looped thing. Well, they're also like walking through the promenade and she is maybe a foot shorter than Avery Brooks. So yeah. the the boom pole is going to be like a couple of feet, if not a little bit more away from her mouth. And that's right. not how you get great sound. I mean, it's a lot of the time what you have to work with. But if you're if you're making a show at this level, you might want to go back in and yeah. and loop it. But I always wonder if it's a creative choice, because sometimes it is. I really like her voice. She has the the elocution of a voice professional. Yeah. Like, she sounds great. She does. You know, I think it's pretty clear pretty early on that Cisco kind of fancies her. She is fanciful in a way that is objectively attractive. Mm-hmm. She is just very kind and ethereal and just... <laughs> And unknowable in a way that is very attractive. Right. She's vulnerable and mysterious at the same time. Yeah. The next morning, Cisco is like gadding around his workplace like a happy dude. Yeah. Like. It's funny how similar he is to Picard in that way. Like any sort of change in disposition uh, while he's at work is very noticeable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Kira kind of calls him on it. How come you're drinking Geraldton tea? There's a funny exchange between him and O'Brien where he's like, oh, O'Brien, you you lovable card. You would just hate working on a space station where everything worked, wouldn't you? And uh, I think that tracks. Like, if uh, if the John Adams comic Chief O'Brien at Work is any yeah. <laughs> indication, like, there's something for O'Brien to do here on Deep Space Nine in a way that there really wasn't on TNG. <laughs> Everyone assumes something is wrong because he's happy. How sad is that as a concept? It almost makes me feel bad when someone tells me that. Like, oh, yeah. I must be kind of a shit most of the other time, right? <laughs> it's like somebody noticing that you're dressed up. It's like, oh, do I look terrible most of the time? Right, yeah. I think the other variable that I didn't quite get when we watched this was which specific day that is depicted is the actual anniversary. Because he's saying, like, I almost forgot that it was happening and that... That night, I'm wondering if it was that the night before the anniversary or the night after. Because if it's the night before, he comes into work on the fourth anniversary of the worst thing. And he's like, hey, 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 here's my people. Cool. Let's have some tea. Yeah. And this is another case where the non-observation of the holiday is weird. Yeah. And... When Kira challenges Cisco about his attitude, I felt like that's where it was going to begin. And I thought that's what the problem was that she had with him initially was going to be like when a friend knows that it's the anniversary of someone's divorce or whatever, or like (laughs) their dad died or whatever it is. There's always a sort of like walking on eggshells-ness. Yeah. And I thought for sure Kira would challenge him on that, but it was, nope, it was about the beverage. I bet 
first draft of this script was the premise was Cisco celebrates the fourth anniversary of Wolf 359 and the death of his wife. And they wrote that and then they came up with this storyline to like undergird it and then rewrote it to like beef up that storyline. And they get, they did that thing that happens in editing where you forget that your audience isn't getting all of the stuff that you've already thought about yeah. with the with the anniversary stuff yeah. anymore because it's been written out. That's my theory. I think that's a solid theory. Do you think there's a chance that the Borgs took her body and reanimated her? Oh man. Where where is that episode where the cube pulls up to Deep Space Nine and it's uh I've watched a lot of Star Trek and I and it made me actually look this up. Like like are there examples of people they thought were dead? Yeah. But the thing is, like, crew people were lost in these skirmishes with the Borg, and right. then they... I mean, they show ships, like, blowing up and yeah. burning in space, so those those aren't people that are getting assimilated. Yeah, it would be too cartoonishly horrible, I think, if Borgified Jennifer Sisko appeared. Yeah, I think that what the what the Borg are doing at that point are just heading to Earth and like ships that get in between them and Earth, they're just kind of like brushing aside. Yeah. They're not thinking of those as assimilation opportunities per se. They're just like in the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they aren't being very efficient. Right. <laughs> they know that once they get to Earth, all of this other shit is pretty much academic. So it's kind of a creepy scene between uh, Cisco and Fena at the very end. It feels like a very large Marge situation <laughs> in that, like, in the same way that Pee-wee experiences this super heightened moment with a character that left a huge impression on him. Yeah. Uh, Cisco does the look away and then looks back and Fena's gone. <laughs> So, well, we've got kind of, kind of two storylines. I'd, I'd hesitate to call one the A and one the B almost in this episode, but uh, to the extent that this one is introduced way later, uh, the B storyline is about this classic science, scientist old that mm-hmm. uh, almost feels like they pulled him straight from like season two TNG. Yeah, that is going to reignite a dead star and. He has pulled his Del Sol up to up to the station to like do some final prep work on uh, on getting ready to do this big giant science experiment. I love the idea of an intern being in the writers' room going, "So how do we how do we develop the scientist character?" And everyone like laying back in their seats, like, <sighs> "God, don't you know he's old? He has a super attractive wife that's like half his age." <laughs> We know this, Steve. <laughs> Didn't you read the Bible, Steve? <laughs> this guy has a nine-volume autobiography, if that tells you anything about his ego. There's that reception scene on the Prometheus, which uh, which is his Del Sol's name, where, <laughs> where it almost seems like an improv game of how can we heighten, like, what an egotistical shit this guy is. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, they talk about, like, going to see an exhibition of his artwork, and it's like, I've never seen canvases that big. Yeah. <laughs> For all of his bluster, I found myself liking him just because he was such a cartoon. Yeah, he was kind of like a charismatic asshole. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... I think that's due in part to the performance. Like, he really brings him to life. 
Yeah, his name is Professor Sayatek, and um, he's he's done a lot of work in the terraforming game, and now he's in the uh, in the business of of re restarting stars. He's kind of uh, what Doctor Timison was up to in that uh, in that episode with uh, Waxana Troy. Yeah, didn't we read that that actor passed away recently? He did. Yeah, RSVP Timison. Yeah. So Cisco has been uh, preoccupied ever since his first meeting with Fena, and I think first and second, right? Because like he's like in that good mood, and then at some point she bumps into him on the promenade again, and he like takes her up to the. He shows her his docking pylon. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's not human. She's pretty close to. She's got like double Vulcan ears. She's alien in in ways that don't obscure her beauty. You know. Yeah. In the same way that like Bajorans are are sculpted in a way that like preserves their right. their inherent beauty. Everyone too. looks great in a nose ridge. Yeah. And uh, everyone looks great with a pointy ear. Yeah. Um we've never heard of her species before and I think they name them but I don't remember what it is. Like at one point he's cuz she keeps disappearing on him. You know, like in the in the docking pylon he like asks about her her past and she's like I can't tell you. And then, like, like flailingly runs away very dramatically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at one point, Cisco's like, hey, Odo, can you look into this, uh, this, this girl, Fena, that I met the other day? Don't have a last name. Don't even know what species she's is or what's, what ship she came in on. But I would love to get a sense of who you think she might be because I don't know anything about her. I think this is the point in the episode that I wanted to compare this ep with, I think, its its cousin, which is the perfect mate from TNG. Hmm. The thing that made that character so attractive was how, like, in addition to her physical beauty, was, like, she was a deeply written person, right. like, with ideas and thoughts and was super smart. And at no point in this episode are we ever given a deeper story to this girl that Cisco's crushing on. Yeah, I don't think that they had to do that yeah. necessarily. I mean, I don't think that it takes away from the premise. Because it's about Cisco's infatuation, and that's significant because he hasn't been infatuated with anyone right. for and a long time. I mean, like, anytime you go on a date and it's one person talking about themselves at length and the other person not talking about themselves at all... That's a bad date, and he's yeah. trying to he's trying to make this a good date. Yeah, you know. But as a viewer, like part of your task is to feel the way the characters feel. Yeah. And I was never infatuated with her like Cisco was, and I wanted to be. Yeah. Well, you didn't smell those pheromones, dude. Cisco does tell Jake that he basically is in love again. <laughs> I met someone, Jake. Yeah, they're sitting around eating Odo in the morning. And uh, did you notice that? No. Same oatmeal that Nog spilled all over Jake. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I, if I was like, Jake, I would never eat that again. Odo should be the doctor. Like, he, he shows up in the toilet bowl. He's like, colonoscopy complete. <laughs> Looks really good in there. <laughs> you do have a tonsil polyp, though. <laughs> Your motility is well within range. <laughs> Like, you just, you have to shit back in his bucket. <laughs> Gross. You know what? There's like a, an intimacy between Jake and Ben Cisco that we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, there's the like physical uh, affection that they show to each other. Uh, but this seemed to be 
even more intimate than yeah. anything we've seen before because it was dad admitting to son that he was in love with someone. Families deal with this, right? Like, yeah, it's a negotiation. It's it's not always easy for kids. It's something that has to be processed. And Jake is just like, go dad. Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe is just Jake is a really chill son and like wants the best for his dad. Like maybe that's all there is to it. But uh, I, I was surprised that it was never more complicated than that at all. The more we get to know Jake, the more I feel like he might be the most in the D&D parlance, like good character on the show. Yeah, lawful good. Yeah, he's almost unimpeachably good at every turn. Yeah, he really takes after his father in that way. I like him. I like him too. I like episodes with him and I want to see more of him. Yeah. Well, so there's this reception on the Prometheus, which is a, uh, a, a, it's a nice hang in a Federation space that we don't often get on this show. I found myself uh, feeling very nostalgic. Yeah. One interesting thing about the Prometheus is that its commanding officer is a lieutenant commander. (laughs) What the hell? Del Sol-class starship is sort of a big ride. Like, that's a big ship that I kind of feel like needs a captain and deserves a captain. And this dude, it's like, he's not just a a low-rank officer. He's a lieutenant commander, but he also only has one solid pip and one circle pip. They mispipped him. How does that happen? He has the pips of an officer with the rank of lieutenant junior grade. (laughs) That's like giving a a person with their learner's permit a Lamborghini. (laughs) Have fun, kiddo. This is way too much shit for him. And everyone on the crew like went to the... Like, they're all uh, Jake molds. They're all slickbacks. They're all slick. Yeah, they definitely went to the great clips all at the same time and were just like, give us whatever Lieutenant Commander What's-His-Nose got. They went to Jake clips. (laughs) (laughs) You may not like the way you look. But you'll look like Jake. So at this dinner party, uh, so much is made about uh, about this recipe that Professor Sayadik uh, has prepared for for this this fancy meal, and how his wife has made it for them, and. We were both watching this episode together, Ben, and it was it was such a uh, here comes the big reveal. Yeah, like who do you think it's gonna be? And it's uh, it's the lady that we have come to know as Fena, but uh, a very different performance. You know, it's the she's got a a much less exciting hairdo. She's a much she's much more muted colors in her costume. Also, not happy to be there. At first, it's you get the reaction from Ben Cisco that's like, "Holy shit, that's her." No poker face on Cisco. It becomes very clear that it is not the same person and confirmed when at the end of the dinner party, Cisco's like, "Hey, that was a fun time we had last night, huh?" We almost uh we almost kissed. It was she's like No, dog. Commander, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never met you before tonight. Interesting that, like, for all the nobility that Sisko has, he treats her having a husband as kind of a correctable situation. (laughs) He's like, you know, if if you had just told me, I could have beamed your husband off of the ship into space. (laughs) This is an accident I can make happen. (laughs) 
Like he's never he's never upset about the other man in a way that he could have been. He kind of gets along with Professor Sayatek too. Like this is a a weird moment where it's kind of like, well, like I like that guy and I uh, I respect him and everything, but if we really do have this connection, like I can let all of that go. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's real weird for him when she kind of throws it back in his face and says, "Commander, obviously you have mistaken me for someone else." That's like never something that you say when it's the truth. Yeah. Or the whole truth. Right. There is a deep, deep sea story, which is like the reason the Prometheus is there is so it can be, it can get a slight refit so that it can go faster. Making it to 9.6 is a pretty big deal for them because once they drop this seed into the dead star, they're going to need to be able to escape a possible Nova situation. Yeah. And the guy they put on the job is O'Brien, noted not warp engineer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have been in L.A. with very little money lately, and when it comes time to buy a car, we may be looking at a possible Nova situation. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing about this ship being at this port of call is that uh, later on it is revealed that no one has left the ship. Yeah, it's stuck there for days. So, what a shitty port of call to be in, and a, and a mission to be on if you can't leave the ship. Hey guys, do you want to go check out Deep Space Nine? No. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean that place with the Klingon restaurant? And no thanks. <laughs> oh, we'll be entertained by a Ferengi. Ew. Oh, is that the is that the station that closes at 9 p.m. every night? <laughs> yeah, all right. I think I'll just kick it here. I could get measured for a suit by a Cardassian. Why is it? Why is it all of the galaxy's villains running the concessions on the promenade on this station? They do have that 40 percent off sale for the, <laughs> for Wolf Three Five Nine Day, though. <laughs> it is. It's probably you, a 35.9 percent off sale, isn't it? <laughs> Like that's what it would have to be. That's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, at the Romulan mattress store or whatever. Sayatek <laughs> uh, <laughs> is the only person on this thousand-person starship that has disembarked onto the station since it since it put in four days ago. So apparently, uh, whoever's running their ten forward is fucking awesome. Right. And so it sort of informs the next meeting that Cisco has with Fena when she shows back up. Cisco is a little less interested romantically and a little more intellectually curious about yeah. what her deal is. She comes over to his apartment as uh, as he's finishing up a long day, and I think he's actually just coming back from the, the dinner party. Right. And the first question he asks is not, why do you only have the one outfit? <laughs> it's like that one episode of Seinfeld. Got so many Star Trek episodes relate to Seinfeld <laughs> in some way. But uh, when Seinfeld dates the lady with the with the single dress. <laughs> Put something else on. It's early. Let's go out. She's the, the lady with the single onesie plus cape, which yeah. is a really powerful look. Uh, the dress that Fenna wears was worn by Antonia, Kirk's fake girlfriend from Star Trek Generations. These are Katarian eggs, her favorite. I was preparing them to soften the blow. Whoa. Yeah, same dress. Damn. The idea of Star Trek as a production. As a as like a company. Having a an Indiana Jones warehouse style 
facility that just has every costume ever and all the models and stuff because there's always it's always like oh this model is from one of the movies but they like put some other shit on it and yeah and like repainted it for this episode to be able to cast someone and go like oh yeah you're a size six like i'm just gonna go into the sixes and see what we have see if something works and to have that work is crazy and this is such a deep cut that's wild to get that dress yeah wow well um this uh, the scene between her and Cisco. You know, it's initially he's like, "What is your deal?" But she kind of calms his concerns, and it turns into a makeout. But a makeout that results in her kind of like turning into blue energy and disappearing. Right? It seems like Cisco is freaked out by this in a way that could be seen as like, "Did I just make her explode?" <laughs> I wrote down that this should be terrifying, but then I remembered, oh, yeah, like, it could just be, like, a transporter technology. Yeah. Like, the idea of somebody disappearing in front of you is, like, fairly commonplace in the 24th century. Yeah, we talk about it a lot, like, how it would be okay if characters were impressed by things in uh-huh. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And it's also okay if people were are surprised. And Cisco is just so poised here. He's if, like, huh. If to himself he just went, when you got to beam out, you got to beam <laughs> out. <laughs> This is a fairly tonguey kiss, too. A tonguier kiss than you normally get in Star Trek. Mm. There's a way that uh, you can shoot kissing that is in profile and then in uh, in one quarter, and they sort of one quarter it in a way that you can like see inside Avery Brooks's mouth. <laughs> like you can see the contraption happening. Yeah, you can see all the way up it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The next time that Cisco and Fenna meet, he has the wherewithal to call Dax over. Right. He's got Dax on speed dial, and he's like, Dax, get down here. And she comes in, and instead of shaking Fenna's hand, like, nice to meet you. Because Dax has, like, spotted them walking around the promenade a couple of times. Like, she's seen, you know, she's, like, everybody knows that Fenna is not a figment of Cisco's imagination. She but, has that fun scene with Cisco too about like, why don't you want to tell me about this lady? Is it because I'm a lady? Because yeah. I can talk about guy stuff too. Yeah. I used to be one of the guys. Yeah. I still kind of am. You should see me with the Ferengis. So that's been set up before. Like, like Dax is as curious as anyone about this lady. She wants to meet her, but it's fun when she enters the scene and just whips open the tricorder yeah. like, without any sort of introduction at all. And says... Well, uh, Commander Sisko, your girlfriend is not a girlfriend at all, but in fact a being of pure energy. <laughs> kind of a bummer, huh? <laughs> so they wind up going to the starship, the Prometheus. Uh, when they get to the Prometheus, they see that Nadell is in a comatose state, and uh, the professor is freaking out. Hilfer, she won't wake up! And this scene goes on a while before he notices the third person that came in with them yeah. who looks exactly like his wife. And the is in being of pure energy in the room. The being of pure energy in bright red. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to miss. <laughs> <laughs> he knows her. He's, yeah. He's uh, familiar with this particular character. He knows her and does not like her either. Yeah. So it turns out his wife's species has a an ability called psychoprojective telepathy. And he starts kind of like psychoprojective telepathy shaming her <laughs> like i told you never to come <laughs> back and stop being stop being around here and uh as we um continue on in the episode he like he has a one-on-one with cisco where he's like yeah it's just because i'm like such a shitty guy to be in a relationship with and her species is a mate for life like from a 
biological imperative standpoint kind of species. So yeah, she's, uh, she's really hating life right now because I'm such a shithead. This was such an interesting concept to me in that, like, this is a different personification of like being with someone and having them daydream about being with someone else. Yeah. Like the sort of uh, convincing yourself out of a relationship that happens, usually just only in your mind. Uh-huh. She's able to project through her alien power. And I wish a little bit more was given to this in that you only see it from his perspective. And I wanted to get it a little more from hers. His perspective is so weird, too, yeah. because it's like he is an admitted garbage person but ha- expresses no interest in doing work on himself. Right. It's just like, yeah, it sucks. Like, she just is going to have to deal with this until she dies. And it's a shame. Yeah. Like, he really feels for her. Like, he cares about her, but not enough to, like, take the step of trying to improve how he is to yeah. her. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah, and this is like his fourth marriage or something. Yeah, he says at one point he wants to have written as many books as he's had marriages. Like, (laughs) Yeah, and so the idea is they've got to put the genie back in the bottle. The genie being Fena and the bottle being Nadell. Right, so they are heading out to this star and the bridge full of guys with the same haircut uh, are uh, hard at work on, on the science and... Cisco is down there, I guess, uh, talking to Fena about the situation and gets a, uh, gets a radio from Jax that's like, hey. You better come to the bridge right away. And he goes, oh yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I, were to, if I were to call you and I'd be like, hey, Ben. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, going okay, Adam. Well, how's it going with you? Oh, I just got into a car accident. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can go ahead and begin with the emergency. <laughs> like, like, don't do the don't do the polite patter. There's an emergency <laughs> happening here. <laughs> I would have expected more out of Dax here, with lifetimes upon lifetimes of experience breaking bad news. <laughs> the bad news here is that the professor has jaked a shuttle. Yeah. And a shuttle with the sun seat in it. The one guy without the Jake haircut on the whole ship. Yeah, and he's going to go plant the seed himself. Yeah. It's kind of like that scene where Dr. Crusher goes and flies a shuttle into a sun, except yeah. for this one's going to be fatal, and he knows it. And it is like his alternative to talk therapy is is crash this shuttle into this sun. They don't lock up these shuttles since the Jake incident. <laughs> Not only that, they're giving uh, they're giving contract employees access to these shuttles. Right, and uh, the ability to lock out the commands on the tractor beam and, and stuff. Yeah. Can't beam them out, can't catch it with a tractor beam. And we watch this shuttle just, like, impact the surface. <laughs> it's like Genesis device, eat your heart out. This fucking sun turns back on. I didn't think we were going to see this. Yeah. I was very excited by this scene. Yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> it was a cool effect, too. Like, the, the like, rocky, like, burned-out core of the sun looking like it's catching on fire and then cut to the wide as, as the as the flames like encircle the the sphere and then it goes to goes to full star mode for a person who is so 
into the legend of his own life. Mm -hmm. I think the professor really planned poorly by dying on Wolf 359 Day because <laughs> like, there's an entire Wikipedia article on the Federation database about Wolf 359. And then at the very bottom, it's like, also died on Wolf 359 Day four years later. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Sayatik. Like, that's not how you grab the headline there. <laughs> Other notable deaths on this date. That's like the, uh, <laughs> maybe a Curb Your Enthusiasm where a character's like, yeah, my my friend died on 9-11. He was uptown. Yeah. Hit by a car. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. Uh, the button on the episode is the now widowed Nadell. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of widows and widowers. Yeah, uh, they're, they're having a club meeting on right? the promenade. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sweet scene. Um, they definitely don't have the spark that Fena and, and Cisco had, but um, he's very sweet to her. He's like, yeah, she was just like you. And uh, I think she's a little bit relieved. Like, she's kind of free now, you know? Relieved, but not feeling free to express relief. What'd you make of the lie, though? Cisco tells her that uh, her psychic projection was just like her when she's not. I guess it's a lie, technically, but I don't really know like what you would say other than yeah. she's just like you. I mean, you look just like her. She was super happy and great. Too bad you're not like that. Like that's. <laughs> she would have to be a projection of her personality, and thus must be contained inside her on some level. So. Oh. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I don't I, I I don't know that I quite read it as a lie so much as just like the the platitude to punch out of a conversation that could get very awkward very quickly. Because they didn't have a connection on that deep deep level, you don't get the single brass instrument of Forever Alone for Ben Sisko. The episode just kind of ends. Yeah. Did what you did like this episode though? You know, I think it starts and it's like that idea of Cisco and his son grieving their lost family member. And then it gets so distracted by this crazy series of events. And I don't feel like thematically it tied back in in a way that felt satisfying to me. Like I wish, I think that that's such an interesting part of Cisco, and to have it just be kind of window dressing for an adventure that I didn't particularly find compelling seems like a shame. Yeah. I think that there could they could have you know just do one more script pass, guys, but write it in such a way where this like actually really forces him to deal with something that he is having a tough time dealing with. Yeah, he goes through such a thing, and yet by the end, it it feels empty. In yeah. a way that I, I wish it didn't feel. Yeah, I mean, like like the Famke Jansen character in The Perfect Mate, he's given this character that is, you know, perfectly appealing to him for whatever reason. That's a That's a complicated feeling to have, and I don't feel like they dug into that. And I think, like you said, like, she's not a very well-realized character on either side. Like, I also just hated the, like, Hey, we're having a like a dinner party, and this woman is here, like like bringing plates in for everybody, and then clearing plates after them. Like, 
super retrograde depiction of like what her role is in this marriage. Like, yeah. what's that about? Like, why is this? It's just... so weird that a show that celebrates science uh, is so bad with their scientists. Yeah. 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 Real weird. Did you like the episode? I sure did like elements of it. I mean, it was great to be on a ship again. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad about how much I enjoyed that part of it. <laughs> because we're going to be trapped here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel too bad. Yeah. It feels like this is the first Cisco episode we've had in a while. And I think that's good because I think we need to start developing his character in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Instead of widower Ben Cisco, emotionally damaged Ben Cisco. Like, uh-huh. it's time to start coloring in uh, some of his panels. And yeah. this episode gave us a chance to do that a little bit. I did like that about it, for sure. You want to see if we have any Priority One messages now, Ben? I fucking do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is from the warm honeyed bosom. <laughs> oh, man. It is for Ben and Adam. The message goes like this. P8. This is the eighth of this, like, crazy series that they've sent. But most of them, I think, go on to The Greatest Discovery. So you definitely have to be a listener to both shows to even be following this. But also, you definitely won't know what's going on. Warm Honeyed Bosom doing their part to make sure we we grow the listenership beyond the (laughs) fence of The Greatest Generation. (laughs) Message continues. Use... Dildodo to mix flour with baking powder and salt. Fold flour mixture into creamed butter and sugar with eggs on floured surface. Be sure not to overmix flour. (laughs) Bake at 350 degrees for 20 minutes or until a toothpick comes out free of flour. Be sure to wash floury hands and o-duster. Cool, then frost with mint frosting. Share with a binturong. Wouldn't, it would not be the warm honeyed bosom if a binturong yeah. wasn't mentioned. I would know that that was a uh, that that was a fake priority yeah. one message. Yeah. Had there been no binturong reference, that's the uh, that's the shibboleth that we prove it's the warm, honey, warm honeyed bosom with. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, our second priority one message is from AC3 Esquire, and it is for ASB, aka Penguin Face, aka. Blorp Master General, a.k.a. Puncher of Faces. And it goes like this. Sorry for outing the face punching. Hopefully your students don't listen. Thank you for doing, and then parenthetically, schisms drop. The challenge with me. Never would have gotten this far without you, and I'm so proud of what you accomplished. Compared to the challenge... Tenure will be a piece of locale cake. Please do Uxbridge Tenure Committee for Real Doll University. Oh, I see. So they they want us to enact a little scene. <laughs> uh, I'm not on a committee with anybody. The thing about a, a public company is that uh, the board can vote to fire its president, and that is a humiliation that I would prefer to avoid. It's just a fact of life in a capitalist society that to grow a business past a certain point, you need to give up some equity and reduce your own stake in the business. And uh, I took some bad advice early on. (laughs) (laughs) 
I lost some close friends who <laughs> attempted to excise me and wrest control of the business. I considered very early on how enjoyable it would be to form a company made up of my friends and family. <laughs> how would you like to work from home and let your income generate itself? <laughs> It seemed like an, a good idea at the time. First you find one friend to work for you, and then they find three more friends. <laughs> and before you know it, billions of hooshnock working for you at the bottom of the pyramid. This was my idea. <laughs> Ultimately, I had to destroy my pyramid scheme. Well, anyways, I have to go forward some emails, because if I don't, I'll have terrible luck, I'm told. So... Uh, Uxbridge out. If you have a Priority One message you would like us to read on our show, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are a cool $100, and commercial messages are a steal at $200. It's a great, great way to get the word out about uh, your message or your business and also help support the ongoing production of our program. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I really had a hard time finding a Shimoda in this episode. I kind of, uh, I kind of, this Shimoda intentionally left blank, hoping that it would <laughs> come to me during the the patter of our conversation. I mean, I think, I think it sort of has to be the professor. I think Sayatik is the guy clearly having the most fun until. He is very abruptly not having the most fun. He really does have At a the lot end, of fun. But like he has a great outshot. Like his final words are like full of gravitas mm-hmm. and fun. Like he knows he is adding to his legend, even though like he picked the wrong day to do it. He's like, I'm going out like a poet and it's mm. gonna be amazing, like in this blaze of glory. So maybe I'm gonna give my Shimoda to him. What about you? My Shimoda is gonna come today in the form of an apology that I think we owe to Mr. Mott. We've uh, we've dunked on Mott many times on the Greatest Generation uh, for uh, you know I mean all of the all of the bluster around the idea that Mott is the best barber in Starfleet. I think we've seen all of the proof we need that that is in fact super true. Because yeah. if you are not on the flagship, if you are on a Nebula class <laughs> starship with just some whatever barber, <laughs> no creativity being brought to play. Uh, probably no useful uh, intrigue and and rumor being milled at that barbershop. Right. Uh, these guys. There's no gossiping happening there. These guys are milk toast for days, and they all have the same haircut. And I think that uh, Mott gets a a special citation in drunken Shimodaness for being kind of the the heart and soul of the entrepreneur mm. in a way that I never realized. It was hard to know what we had at the time with Ma, and now having seen crew people on a different ship, absolutely. Yeah. Great, great barber. Best great in the bar. business. Best in the fleet. That's a great Shimoda, Ben. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, do you want to see what we have coming up on the next episode, Adam? I sure do. Adam, the next episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine is Season 2, Episode 10, Sanctuary. Kira is torn when a displaced alien race arrives on Deep Space Nine and claims Bajor as its people's legendary homeland. Or as Netflix has it, when a ramshackle alien vessel is detected making its way through the wormhole, the ship's four passengers are transported to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> How could you not watch that? 
<laughs> Ramshackle is one of my favorite words. Netflix is uh, is supported entirely by by paying customers. There's no advertising on Netflix, and uh, you can see how radically that reduces their need to do to do clickbait. Yeah, like. Don't care if you watch at all, but this is something that the intern saw the first 30 seconds of this episode. The capsule for Get Out is like uh, a young couple goes to visit her parents. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing we have to do at this point is see uh, in what condition we watch the episode, Ben. We do. Well, it looks like we're on square 26. Ben, which we, is, <laughs> by the way, we are doing a terrible job of remembering to go move the little game piece on the website. Yeah. I feel, I feel like there's got to be some programmatic way where we can say, like, in another th- place, on this day, it should move to this place, and that would just happen automatically. Yeah. If anybody knows, has, like, serious Google spreadsheet kung fu and could help us with that, uh, write to drunkshimoto at gmail.com. I think that would be awesome. Uh, we're also like working on making this game board look a lot better. We had a cool uh, somebody wrote in like with a way to upgrade the way it looks that I'm really excited about, but we just haven't gotten around to it because we've had so much. We're twer- really dumb with this fucking game, by the way. It, yeah, no, it's dumb. It's no, I mean, like we could set reminders for ourselves to move the game piece on the on show date, and we don't. Like Adam, we've had Max Fun Drive and and tour stuff. Yeah. Like this has turned into basically both of our full-time job yeah. for the last month. And uh, I'm so psyched about that. Like that's like yeah. the greatest thing in the entire world, but also uh, some stuff that is more frivolous fun kind of falls through the cracks because of that. Right. Right. Anyways, let's roll some bones and see if we can't uh, land this game piece on something fun. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Uh, I have rolled a five. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which skips us over the naked now. No. Uh, to square number 31. So an unaltered episode next week uh, that I am personally really looking forward to. That sounds like Kira gets put in an awkward spot. <laughs> like, pizza ovens better fucking watch out next week. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza ovens don't have anywhere to hide from one major Kira. Well, uh, Ben, one place we can never hide is on the internet. Yeah, we are out there, and uh, boy, there's nothing more fun than uh, than paling around on all the all the sites with all the friends of DeSoto. You've got the Greatest Gen hashtag on Twitter. You've got the Facebook groups. You've got the Reddit subs. Uh, all of them are great and wonderful places that aren't full of negative Nellies and news that makes you grind your teeth while you're trying to sleep at night. Feels great. I grind my teeth for totally separate reasons. Yep. <laughs> uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our OG theme music and Adam Ragusia, who has made so much music for us at this point that we really should get back to talking about putting out that album. Right. And... We should thank the great folks that have gone to maximumfund.org slash donate and uh, made made this show possible. The uh, you know we're we're recording this right smack dab in the middle of the fun drive and we are already like totally bowled over by what a great response we've gotten for this show um, and uh, basically can't tell you how much we appreciate it. 
Come see us on tour. GreatestGenCon.com, but Con is spelled K-H-A-N. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, more tour dates being added by the week. Yeah. And uh, we're coming to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. A lot of them are already confirmed and will be announced soon. And, uh, like, every week I feel like we're, we think of another place we would like to go and see if we can't fit it into the schedule. So Yeah, don't fret if you don't see your city on there. Uh, odds are we will be coming close by to where you are. Yeah. We tried very hard to to do a tour that touched the compass points of this great country and places in between. Yeah, come come see that. Like the the donations really do make that possible. So uh, so we really appreciate it. Till then, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation: Deep Space Nine that puts the pizza ovens squarely in the crosshairs. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.